Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. I want to teach tonight, and you may not think this is relevant to you, but it's relevant to all of us because so much has happened to Christianity since Jesus rose from the dead, since the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the church began, to uh, just a horrible, how can I say this, strategy of the adversary to take a dispensation of grace, which Jesus Christ, through his finished work, has given us, and turn it into religion. So we've been studying spiritual communication. So we want to study tonight the voice of religion in our lives and how to discern what it is and how to reject it. I mean, totally, utterly reject. I think the worst spirit in the earth, and there are some horrible spirits in the earth. I'm telling you there. I mean, you talk about uh, people that, are, uh, that, that do some of these horrible crimes and things, but I'm telling you the spirit of religion is one of the worst because it makes people think they're right with God when they're not. Amen? I remember uh, coming through the, the airport. This is old 1990, 89, right in there, coming through the airport at Salt Lake City, going out to, to Idaho to preach, flying out to Idaho to preach, and stopping. I tell you, when it was 1988, because the Olympics were going on, I was wanting to watch some of the Olympics. They had little TVs you could put a quarter in, and I, I was wanting to watch uh, some of the Olympics. But as I, there was three channels. One, the Olympics was on. The other, uh, I don't know what was on it. But then the third channel, uh, the International uh, Mormon Convention was going on at the Mormon Tabernacle in Salt Lake City. And I'm telling you, you've never seen such a place in your life. Uh, there were tens of thousands of people there. And I'll never forget, the guy got up and he preached a tremendous message on uh, 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 Jesus Christ, our example. And he used several scriptures. He talked about Jesus being our example. And then he literally ended his sermon by saying this, Now Jesus was only our example. And I thought to myself, my God, my God, all of those people sitting in that church in that big uh, tabernacle and then one of them got a clue what the gospel is all about because Jesus was not just our example before Jesus can ever be your example he must be your substitute that's what redemption was all about now in studying after some of the what I would call really powerful faith teachers of the of the past generation and then doing study on my own I find it amazing the doctrines of the denominations of our nation, and I'm not going to try to get out into the world and say, but, 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 but here in America there are many denominations. We can talk about the Methodists. We can talk about the Baptists. We can talk about Catholic. That's, that's very large. We can talk about the Lutherans, the Episcopalians. We can talk about uh, uh, several different Pentecostal de- denominations. There's Foursquare, Assembly of God, now UPC. Uh, you know, there's all types of denominations. Now, the majority of the denominations, we've said this before, but it bears repeating. The majority of the denominations, what they teach and study in their seminaries, comes from 400-year-old German theology, four, over 400 years old, in which two men, one of them Armenian, the other uh, a Calvin, came out of a theological Bible school in Germany with two different thoughts on the gospel. One of them, uh, the Calvin, uh, Calvin, you get your, you get your uh, uh, Baptist and, and Methodist had its, had, its, uh, had its core in that, uh, several of the others that do believe in the new birth, but their doctrine is based on predestination. That, you know, uh, Doris is going to get saved, Uh, But Frank's not, because that's how it's been predestined. But then they carry it even further into some of the others that are very extreme in which everything that goes on in your life is predestined. No matter what, you know, you you stub your toe and, and have to go to urgent care. Well, that was predestined to happen, you know. I mean, that was just in the stars for you. You know, they say things like, well, that's not true at all. None of that's true. None of that's true whatsoever. I believe when we get to heaven and find out really how little God did have to do here on the earth, we're going to be surprised because literally it is illegal for him to operate here outside of us. Uh, Jesus is the one that gave him the right and the open door into the earth. But other than that, spiritual entities are here illegally. So the only way the Holy Ghost can be on the earth is if people invite him. 
Amen? Now, the other side of the other side of those doctrines were what we call legalism doctrines. You see a lot of the old Pentecostal doctrines, uh, several other, in which everything's based on, you know, what you can and can't do. You know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, we're going to look in the Word of God tonight and see where none of that's true. You say, then what do we study? What do we actually have to look at? Where do we actually have to go to get correct teaching and correct information? To the, the letters to the church. The letters to the church, which begin, actually, I like to use the book of Acts because the book of Acts is our, is our entrance into spiritual things, but Acts and, and Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and uh, Philippians and First and Second Thessalonians and First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus and Hebrews, all those books, that's where we must get our revelation from and live by it. And every time, now listen, every time anyone got close to that revelation, God poured His Spirit out. He did it in 1907. He did it, he did it in the uh, great uh, revivals up in Houston through Raymond T. Ritchie's ministry. He did it through Oral Roberts' ministry and a lot of the ministries in, a, in, the, in the voice of healing. He did it through the charismatic movement. He did it through the independent church movement. He did it anytime people would begin to see the just shall live by faith and begin to find out who they are, what they have, and what they can do in Christ, God would begin to bless it. God would begin to touch it, and God would begin to expand it. Now, here in Matthew, did I tell you to turn to Matthew? Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Let's look at something here for just a minute. Now, this is Jesus talking. And you know, that's something. The, 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 the religion paints a very distorted picture of Jesus. I know one, I listened to one uh, uh, denominational pastor who was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he said, you know, he said he just thought Jesus went and healed everybody, did miracles, and, and you know, just went around just healing everybody. He said, it, it wasn't until I got baptized in the Holy Ghost that I found out that there were people that Jesus didn't heal because they wouldn't get healed because he didn't have any faith. So that happened in his own hometown. Now here he is confronting religious people. I'm going to tell you something about religious people. They have a religious spirit about them. And there ain't nothing more wicked than an old religious spirit. There ain't nothing, nothing more bitter than an old religious spirit that'll fight you tooth and nail over what they think their religion believes. And yeah, here's another thing. Religion is always inclusive. We're the only ones that's got it. You know, I, I had, uh, my grandmother was a powerful intercessor. Uh, prayed four or five hours every day. You'd have never known it. If, you had, if you'd have ever met her, you'd have never known that she was like that. I mean, only the people that were close to her, her pastor, her family, those are the only ones that really knew how spiritual she really was. Uh, she just didn't have a spirit of religion about her. Leah's mother, uh, which I met when the uh, uh, first time that Leah took me to, uh, to Abbeville to meet them, her mother, I could tell when I first met Momo, Miss Megason, when I met her, I could tell, this is a spiritual woman right here. This is not a religious woman. Now, she went to a religious denomination but she was not religious. She was spiritual. She was very spiritual. Every, every day that, uh, that we knew her. We were in a meeting one time. Uh, they're in Abbeville, actually. Uh, we went and visited a church on Sunday morning, and they thought I was someone I'm not. They said, the pastor came up and introduced himself to me, and he asked me, he said, are you rusty? I said, I am. He said, why don't you preach for me tonight? I said, okay. So I came and preached, and after the service, he came up, and he said, You're, are you Rusty so-and-so? I said, no, I'm Rusty Martin. He said, well, I thought you were Rusty so-and-so. <laughs> I said, give me my offering. I'm leaving. <laughs> but the Spirit of God got to moving in that meeting, and people began to fall out under the power of God. And so Leah kind of concerned about her mom seeing that stuff. She kind of said, well, Mom, you know what's going on? She said, well, I guess people are falling in the presence of God. Amen. So you can always tell religion. It's always hard. It's always cold. It's designed to control. And it's also it's not designed to get you close to God. It's designed to keep you away from God. Amen. Now Jesus is confronting religious people with religious spirits. Now listen to what he says. Here in verse, uh, well, uh, let's start in verse 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. <laughs> I mean, he's just going call to it, call it what it is. Amen. Hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and of meat and cumin. That's different things they use for currency back there. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. 
These ye ought to have done and, and not to leave the other undone. Now then listen how it goes on. Ye blind guides which strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. That's exactly, that's a great definition of religion. It says, uh, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Boy, I bet those guys were squirming when he was teaching this. You know it? Could you imagine being in that meeting and being a Sadducee, a scribe, or a Pharisee and know that Jesus was talking to you? Not only that, he had all these miracles to back up that he was of God. I bet they were freaking out. Amen? Notice what he says. He says, uh, uh, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whitewashed sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within, but, but within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Whoa! That's a pretty strong indictment. But you know, I've been in some beautiful churches where God wasn't there. I've been in some beautiful churches where God wasn't there, and I've been in some grass hut churches where God was. Amen. Doesn't matter how beautiful the building is, it matters what's inside the people. And the problem is, is we have a lot of religion in this nation in which people think they're right with God, but they're not right with God. I'll I'll never forget that, that, that one of the most incredible things that I ever heard was the first day of Bible school at Lakewood when Brother Osteen got up and said this. He said, I pastored 19 years as a Baptist pastor without the Holy Ghost. He said, when I got the Holy Ghost, I realized I didn't know nothing about the Bible. He had earned two doctorate degrees in Baptist, uh, in the Baptist seminary, and then after 19 years, figured out he didn't know anything about the Bible. Well, that's pretty scary. How'd you like to do that? How'd you like to spend about 12, 14, 16 years educated by the world's leading the- uh, uh, theological professors and come out of there and not even be born again? Amen. I heard a testimony, wonderful testimony of a Lutheran couple that pastored into their 60s, retired went to a Kenneth Hagin camp meeting in Tulsa and figured out they'd never been born again. <laughs> Ended up getting born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, went to Rhema Bible Training Institute and became missionaries in some nation, I think somewhere in Central America, until they went home to be with the Lord. Now, how'd you like to pastor about 40 years and then retire and go to a meeting and figure out you weren't even born again? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty scary, Amen. Now notice, let me read a couple more verses. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous. Now notice that phrase. Outwardly appear righteous. Now I've been around, you know, I've tried many times to be the good, nice, everybody's friend pastor, and that doesn't work. Man, if they know that you're a Holy Ghost person, if they know you're full of the Holy Ghost, the life and power of God, I'm going to tell you something. Religious people don't want nothing to do with you. They don't want anything to do with you because you have a level of revelation that they don't have. You have a level of authority that they do not walk in. And many times if they're, if they're obsessed with that religion, then there is a spirit that controls them and they don't want nothing to do with anybody that can come set them free. Amen. Now notice what it says. He says, even so also you outwardly appear righteousness, uh, you outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now I'm telling you, that's a pretty strong words. Full of hypocrisy. That means you say one thing and do the opposite. You tell me not to steal, but you're out stealing anything you can get your hands on. You tell me not to lie, but everything out of your mouth is a lie. That's what hypocrisy is. And iniquity is the motivating force inside the human spirit that empowers you to sin. It says you're full of iniquity and hypocrisy. Now, that's the, he, he's literally giving us a, 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 a definition of what religion actually is. Now, I wrote a, I wrote a couple of notes. The voice of religion, it, it, it does not produce spiritual structure. It produces rules and regulations outside of spiritual structure. What the Bible calls dead works. Now now go to the book of Hebrews. Let me show you real quick. They're in Hebrews. 
Let me find where I've got it, Mark. Hebrews chapter 9. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to pull one scripture out. You ought to, you ought to study Hebrew chapter 9. It's one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible because there's so much in it about what the redemptive work of Christ has done. The, 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 what I call the climax uh, uh, verse of it, verse 9, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood entered he once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Oh my goodness. You talk about a work of grace. That's not religion. That's the grace of God. And that's something we must understand about religion. Religion rejects grace because of religion. It rejects grace. It'll accept legalism. It'll accept rules and regulations. It'll accept all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to grace, it don't want nothing to do with grace. Amen. You ever notice this? Now, I don't, I don't want to, don't start a fight with me over this. But have you ever noticed this? Because some of you can relate to this. Have you ever noticed how prejudiced religion is? Now, think about that for a minute. I mean, they, 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 they kind of are inclusive to, to, either their, to, either their, to either their color or their geographical location. Or I'm telling you, you go to Ireland where everybody looks the same, and they, and, and they, and they stand, stand across the, uh, the nation from each other based on their religion. Are you Protestant or are you Catholic? We had to answer that question the first year we went, 1988. I mean, they came to me, the Irish press came to me and said, you, you Protestant, <coughs> excuse me. I need my water right here, right here. Never mind. <laughs> Are you Protestant? Are you Catholic? Now, how are you going to answer that question? I told them I'm neither one. I'm a believer. And they actually, they actually said, that, said, you can't answer that question that way. I said, who says? I'm not Protestant. I'm not going to stand over here with the Protestants and swing a bat. And I'm not going to stand over here with the Catholics and swing a bat. I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you really want to know who I am, I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm washed in the blood. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That's who I am. Well, they had to accept that. That's all I was going to give them. Now, here in Hebrews chapter 9, look, look, look at verse... Look at verse, you'll get over it. Verse 13, it says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling to the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more, now I love that phrase, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, let me read it in the Amplified. How much more surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of His eternal Spirit, His own preexistent divine personality, has offered Himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God, to purify our conscience from dead works and, light, and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. Now notice the word conscience. Another better translation is the word lifestyle. Amen? Now what is he, what is he doing? He's purging our lifestyle from what? Dead works. Now, what are dead works? Now, now a lot of people, I've, heard, I've actually heard guys preach on this and talk about dead works being sin. No, it's not. This is not talking about sin. This is talking about dead works. Amen? You say, now what do you mean by that? Dead works is anything that seems to have religious significance but has no basis in the Word of God. Now, Paul is writing this letter to who? Who's he writing it to? To the Hebrews. Well, I know he's, he's writing it to us, to the body of Christ, to the church. But he's, he's, he targeted who? The Hebrews who everything in their tradition, everything in their religion, everything in their covenant, the old covenant, had now, after he had purged our lifestyle from dead works, everything they did was a dead work. 
You can't bring a lamb into the temple and think it's going to cleanse your sins. You can't keep a feast day and think that God will bless you. You can't. Listen, now even tithing. Jesus even talked about tithing. You say, what do you mean by that? It's still a dead work if you're not tithing by faith. You can't tithe under the law. Amen. That's where a lot of people, well, tithing's under the law. Yes, it is, but it's also under grace. And if you learn to tithe under grace, then you can claim the promise. But it's not a law. You say, well, what does that mean? That means God's not going to curse you if you don't. Nobody amen that one. You ought to be thankful. Amen. But he'll do what? He'll bless you if you do. He'll rebuke the devourer. He'll open the windows of heaven. He'll pour you out a blessing that's so powerful, you will not be able to live enough years on the earth to receive all the blessing that's in it. Grace does that. Everybody say grace. So your conscience from dead works. Now, we can talk about dead works of different religions. There's lots of dead, dead works. I know uh, Leah was raised Catholic. Many of you raised Catholic. There are a lot of dead works in Catholicism. You can't pray to Peter. You can't pray to Mary. Amen. 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 He was, I'll tell you, I talk to the Blessed Mother all the time. You can't. She's not deity. She's not an intercessor. You say, who is she? She's the same thing we are. She was the carrier of Jesus. She carried Jesus physically in her womb. We carry Jesus spiritually in the womb of our heart, in the womb of our spirit. Amen. Amen. I know they teach that she was divinely, uh, 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 you know, that she was divinely, uh, what's it called? Immaculately conceived, just as Jesus was. They called her, 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 her mother a saint, Saint Anne. Well, you go over to Luke chapter 1 and you'll see she's just like we were. I mean, this big angel came to her with the Word of God and the Bible says she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Then he started talking about all the Word, the Word, the Word, and then the Bible says she said, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? It wasn't until until that angel began to include the ability of the Holy Ghost, which does what? Which enlightened your spirit that the womb of her spirit opened up and when the womb of her spirit opened up, the womb of her flesh got pregnant with Jesus and the Word of God. That's how simple it was. Amen? So there's a lot of dead works in Catholicism, but you get an I know, and we were part of a, a move of God that took place. Oh, I guess it started about 1992, 93, in which there was a group of people that made an exit out of the United Pentecost religion. Now, there was a, a pastor, a pastor, actually a good friend of mine in Huntsville, Texas, we were preaching his camp meeting. And he came to me and he says, I have a friend over in Bryan College Station. And he's just come out uh, of, the, of the United Pentecostal Church. And his church just split four ways from Sunday. So he's got about 20 people meeting in a building. And he said, he's, he's that's what the guy told me. He said, this pastor's a friend of mine. He said, listen, man, I, I, I've tried to help him. And he said, I told him he needs to get you to come preach. And he said, Rusty, if you'll go preach... And just do a, you know, if you'll have your Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever whatever he'll do, I'll I'll give you the offering. I said, said, uh, 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 who's got Huntsville? Jeff. Jeff. I said, Jeff, you don't have to give me an offering. I said, I'll just go. I'll just go. And sure enough, he scheduled me for Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. So we went over there, and, and, and oh, it was, it was worse than Jeff described it. I mean, you never saw such long faces. You never saw such bitterness, and you never saw such bondage. And I got up and just taught on simple faith to access the presence of God. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost showed up, and the power of God began to... He said, when can you come back? How soon you... I said, well, how soon you want me to come? He said, like next week. I said, well, I, I can't come back next week. I said, you would probably be about six or eight months. Six or eight months later, we came back and did two services a day, Sunday through Wednesday, and he had about 100 people. And I'm telling you, that place got set free, and they ran, and they danced, and they shouted, and I think we we preached for them for 10 years. And the last time we preached for them, they had built a new building and had about 1,200 people, and they're the freest people you ever saw in your life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, I preached for his dad up in Houston, who pastored the largest UPC church in the Houston area. We went and, and, and went out to dinner with them. And I think we preached for them twice. I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, we went up there and held meetings for them. They did two services on Sunday morning and a service on Sunday night. And I'm telling you, those people had gotten free. All the women were wearing makeup. 
Well, see, you couldn't do, you couldn't do that. Back in the, all, all, all of them had on big old diamond rings. I mean, you know, UPC people got some money, I'm telling you. They had big old diamond rings. And they got, I'll tell you two things they got. They got money and they got music. And I'm telling you, they, that music, they were going on. And I'm telling you, we had such a time. He told me later, sitting at, his, sitting at his table, he said, as I look back on it, he says, I cannot believe that I lived like that for so many years. This is what he, now this is what he told me. He said, I lived in fear of God. He said, I loved God. I prayed. He said, I studied my Bible every Sunday, every Wednesday night. I dug those sermons out. He said, I preached hard. I preached fast. He said, I'd sweat. He said, I'd wear myself out. He said, at the end of every sermon, I thought, what did I say? It's just, it's just religion is all it is. So you've got to understand Every one of us, in some way or another, have been affected by that type of stuff. And we have to make sure that anything we do is a grace act. Now, before I, before I get ahead, go to Titus. It should, just should be a couple of, just should be right around the corner there. Titus, right before, uh, right before Hebrews, well, there's Philemon and then Titus. Uh, that's going backwards, going forward. It's Timothy then Titus, Amen. Now notice Titus, Titus 3. Look at verse, look at verse 5. Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see that? Listen to it in the Amplified. He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done or that we had done, but because of his own pity and mercy by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out so richly upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now listen to this, verse 7. And he did it in order that he might justify by his grace, by his favor, wholly undeserved, that we might be acknowledged and counted as conformed to the divine will in the purpose, thought, and action and that we might become heirs of eternal life according to our hope. You know what he's saying here? You ain't got nothing to do with this thing. That's what he's saying. He said, you don't have nothing to do with it. It was your God. It was his love. It was the powerful character traits of his nature, which began with grace, included faith to access that grace, included righteousness and he gave it all to you as a free gift so that you could begin the day you got born again to participate with eternal life. Amen. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you if you ever get that in your heart and in your spirit it'll cause you to shout at midnight. Amen. I like what, what one friend of mine used to say. He said it'll make you swing out over hell on a corn stalk and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> Amen? I'm telling you, it's by grace we are saved through faith. Not of any works which we have done. It is the gift of God, at least we should boast. Oh, my goodness. Mm -mm -mm. Religion requires law. So instead of religion, God gave us grace, which is accessed by faith. That's such a powerful truth. I said that's such a powerful truth. Now, go over to Romans Romans chapter 8. Let me see if I can do this without getting myself in trouble. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Amplified says it like this. There is therefore, there is now no condemnation 
No, a journey, how do you say that? A judging guilt, guilty of wrong, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk after the Spirit, who, excuse me, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, one of the things that religion does is it takes a superficial view of the Word of God and builds its standard around a superficial view, not allowing the Holy Ghost to impart true revelation of the Word. Now, the reason I picked Romans chapter 8 is I wanted to go to a scripture here in Romans chapter 8 and prove that point before we close. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. We're still in Romans chapter 8. But I want you to go to, I want you to go there to verse, uh, go, go to verse 26. Now, keep your finger or your eye on verse 26 and let me read verse 28, all right? I'm going to read verse 28, then we'll go up and read verse 26. Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them the called according to His purpose. How many have ever heard that scripture? Now, in traveling over the years, 20 years on the road, driving around late at night in country towns, drifting from one uh, place to another for, for a XM satellite and all the other stuff we've got, I hear these country preachers, other preachers out of Dallas, Atlanta. That seems to be two big places where they just boom radio uh, 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 signals from. And I hear these preachers preach on this. And they say, well, you know, all things work together for good. All things work together. No matter what's happened in your life, it's working together for you good. All things. Now, all these, all these preachers I'm talking about were denominational. Baptist preachers, Pentecostal preachers. Uh, uh, all different types. Uh, there was a, 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 a what is it, a, a Christian, first Christian, what do they call those? Not Christian science, but the first Christian, I think first Christian. Anyway, all of them that I heard that it, that, it, that it impacted my memory, all of them would say that and they would preach the same thing. They would say, now listen, uh, did you break your leg? Well, it's going to work together for you good. Did you have a car wreck? It's going to work. Did they diagnose you with cancer? It's going to work together for you good. No matter what's going on, if, now if you serve God, all things are going to work. Now see, they're taking a superficial view of a scripture without having any revelation. Now, if you go up to verse 26, it says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That's the word weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, if you study that and you go back into your Greek language, that's the word glossolalia. That word literally means in its most simple translation, a fluent language ununderstood by the speaker. A fluent language unrevealed to the end. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about praying in tongues. It's talking about praying in the Spirit. Amen? So, we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. Amen? He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. His will for you to be healed. His will for your loved ones to be saved. His will to prosper you. All of the things that God's will encompasses into your life and wants to do in your life, this scripture is saying, if you'll pray in the Spirit, if you'll pray in the Spirit, you may not know how to pray, you may not know what to pray, but man, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You have this heavenly language. You can begin to pray these things out in the Spirit. And if you do that, then verse 28 belongs to you. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Reference the scripture above it. Praying what? According to the will of God. Ties them both together. So he's not talking about everybody out there that goes to the first church of whatever. See, religion will look at that and write books on it. How all things will work together. For, uh, listen, that's why you got to be careful who you listen to and how you listen to them. Amen. 
Because I know some people that, were, that are legitimate. Got big churches, big ministries all over TV. And one of them in particular has written several books on this subject. And this is, this, this is the conclusion. Whatever you are in life, and however you have lived your life, that's God's hands upon you in order to get you to the place in which you can hear the gospel and be born again. So if you're a prostitute, a drug addict, if you're a crooked politician or banker, if you've been through five divorces, then God orchestrated all of that in your life because He knew that He'd get you to Him through all those negative things happening to you. I'm thinking about, what about it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? What about the Bible? What about Scripture? See, religion always takes its liberty to depart from Scripture. Much of religious doctrine is based on... Now listen to me very carefully. This will help you in your own faith walk. Much of religious doctrine is based on unanswered prayer. Now let me say it again. Much of religious doctrine... You take, you take the doctrine of God doesn't heal anymore. I heard an argument on that the other day. I thought it was pretty good. Was a couple of guys going back and forth. and it, One was talking about healing is today. No, healing is not for today. No, healing is for today. No, healing is not for today. Healing is for today. No, healing is not for today. So he said, well, how about salvation? Oh, yeah, salvation. He says, well, the Bible says that, the Bible says that uh, for by grace we're saved through faith. It's not of works. It's the gift of God, least any man. So we can get saved. Yeah. How do we get saved? By faith. Well, what about over here in James where it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and the prayer of faith shall raise up the sick people. Well, the guy couldn't answer that. He said, well, you're saying healing's done away, and for order for healing to be done away, faith has to be done away. The guy had no answer for it. Because you can't answer revelation with speculation. You can't answer revelation with religion. It'll shut it up every time. Jesus proved that. Amen? But right here in this scripture, we see very plainly, no, God didn't make you a drug addict so you could end up getting born again. God didn't cause you to go through some horrific, horrible life experience knowing that that life experience would draw you near to God. I actually heard a lady say that one time. I want to pray for my son. He's backslidden away from God that God would give him a car wreck and he would end up on his back in the hospital. i got to get, it, get his attention then. I thought, please, Mama, don't pray like that. But you get around some folks and that's all they, oh, yeah. Oh, that's holy. Oh, that's righteous. Oh, yeah. Put him on his back in that hospital. God will get his attention then. Well, that's not necessarily true. Amen. So what God wants is not some religious, you know, lifestyle. He wants you free. Everybody say free. free. Now, John, go to John chapter 8. Religion. Everybody say religion. Here's the definition I was able to glean studying several different places in which I looked at the definition. Religion is the state of being religious. <laughs> Amen. If you're religious, that's what, I mean, if you're uh, religion is the state of being an institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. Amen. Now, didn't say anything about no, no definition that I saw said anything about the Bible. Said something about God. Said something about piety. Said something about holiness. But it, none of it said anything about the, uh, about the Bible. Now, notice what it says again. An institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. That's what religion is. Now, notice what it says there in verse 31 of John chapter 8. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. So he's got his own crowd with him. Amen? He's got his, people have been following him. Excuse me, people that have been getting miracles. People that have been uh, uh, being blessed by his ministry. You know, they're, they're, they're around him. And, and so he said, I'm going to talk to these guys. Because, you know, his biggest battle was against who? Religion. Who put him on the cross? Religion. Who will put you on the cross? Religion. Amen. It'll, uh, religion will always do its utmost to destroy anything God's doing. 
You say, what do you mean by that? I like to say it like this. Religion will celebrate what God did a hundred years ago while denying what he's doing right now. I mean, it's one of the most insidious things you've ever saw. I love all, everything that we've seen God do. I mean, we've seen, we've seen moves of joy. And, you know, the Bible talks about the rivers. Uh, 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 where is it? Over in John chapter 7. Out of your belly shall for what? Rivers of living. You know, rivers of healing power. Rivers of joy. and Rivers of peace. And, and I mean, it's just all the rivers of God that, that bring great blessing to humanity. Amen. And I can remember, you know, when, when the power of God would be in such manifestation in places and, and the joy of God would hit different. We see it and we still see it to this day. People begin to laugh, begin to dance, begin to celebrate, begin to run around. That's that river beginning to flow. Amen. We've seen God's healing power. We got a wonderful uh, report on the, uh, the, the text line of somebody. We made a, answered a question about um, uh, getting off medication. And they've been off medication ever since. Thank God, thank God. They said, man, we feel so good. Uh, things are so good. We're, we've been off medication. Amen. Thank God you can get off medication. Get you off medication. You say, how can you do that? Well, just take your, take your, take your gospel. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says, where is it? In Proverbs chapter 3, uh, my son or daughter, attend to my word and climb down here into its saying. Let it not depart from your eyes. Yeah. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Why? For it's life unto all those that find it. And what else? Health to all your flesh. Just need to take your medicine. Jesus said unto the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, or shall make you free. Now, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. Amen? You can see a truth. You can sing about a truth. You can do all kinds of, you can put, you can put the truth on bumper stickers, put it on a t-shirt, but if you don't know it, it's not going to help you. Amen? Now that word know is an interesting word. It means to acknowledge and experience. How many have experienced salvation? And it's done what? Set you free. You know the number one thing salvation sets men and women free from is the fear of death. So aren't you afraid you die? No. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What do you mean be afraid to die? Why, we live our lives to go to heaven. We live our lives to be in that heavenly city. The Bible says we are pilgrims and strangers on this planet looking, one, I like this one translation, looking and going back to a city we've never been to. Amen. Looking for and going back to, back to a city we've never been to. You say, that don't make sense. It does to me. Now, here's the principle. Let me close with this. Number one, you're going to have to continue in the Word. You're going to have to continue in the Word. More and more and more and more, every day I see how this book, this, this leather and paper article that all of us possess, some of you have it electronic, uh, electronically, some of you have it in Bible form like I do, but more and more and more, I am seeing how it stands alone and is set apart from anything else that has ever been written on the planet. Did you know it is still the number one? Now listen, this is mind-blowing because they don't tell you this every day. Because someone else always, their book is number one there. But no, no, it's really not. Still the number one bestseller every week, every day, every month, and every year is the Bible. Well, you know, that, that, that tells you something. I said that, so you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to continue in the Word. That means God wants you to proceed in the Word. And actually, if you study the Scriptures, if you run your references and study the Scriptures connected to this, God wants you to continue in the Word as you grow up and go through the stages. You say, what do you mean stages? You go through babyhood, you go through childhood, and you come into maturity. God wants to continue you to continue into maturity and to remain mature in the things of God and the things of the Spirit. Look at your neighbor say, grow up. Now, I'll close with this. 
a lot of people are really, they're like, well, pastor, you know, I, we, I love God and, and I know I'm born again. I'm not, I know I'm going to heaven. And, and you know, you, you, you talk about reading the word every day and studying the word every day and meditating on the word every day. And you're always speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. But you know, really, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if that's really necessary, if I, if I really need to do all of that. Well, here's the thing. You're putting your effort into something. Every day you put your vocal effort, your mental effort, and really, if the truth be known, you're putting your spiritual effort into something every day. And the sad thing is, for a lot of believers, they put it into the wrong thing. They put it into offense, gossip, backbiting, bitterness, all kinds of negative things. What you do what? What you think about, what you talk about, what you have feelings about. Now, what does that benefit you? Nothing. Nothing. Unforgiveness. Nothing. It benefits you absolutely zero. Nada. Is that a Spanish word? Nada? Nada. That means zero, right? Nothing. Amen? Nada. Everybody say nada. But you're putting your effort into it. And it's amazing how much effort some people put into it. Amen? That's why you've got to make a decision. Well, if I'm going to put effort into something, why don't I put it into the life side of this thing? Why don't I just continue in the Word? Instead of my mind being full of bitterness, instead of my mind being full of unforgiveness, instead of my mind being full of all the negative thoughts of my past, Amen. Now listen, there's a process you go through. It took me a while to get free from my past. You say, how did you do it? I continued in the Word. Amen. How? By giving attention unto the Word, believing in my heart, continually confessing with my mouth the redemptive truths of who I was, what I had, and what I could do in Christ. And eventually my thoughts and my memories of the past begin to fade. You said, have you forgot it? No, I can dredge it up anytime I want to. I just don't do it. I don't put any effort into that. You say, why? Then why? I'd, go, I'd rather just go ahead and stir up the memory of the good things God's done. Talk about great meetings and talk about, you know, and then when it comes to the future, I'd rather not fret about it and worry about, oh, what you going to do about this? What you going to do? We're just going to serve the Lord. We're going to continue in Him. We're going to worship God. We're going to thank Him for His goodness. Amen. We're going to fight off the devil when he attacks. We're going to proceed into the blessings of God. Amen. So continue in the... Put your effort into serving God. Put your effort into continuing in the Word. And it'll take a little time. But as you do that, then, the, then God will begin to do things. I remember, it's been a few months ago, I was thinking about some things that had to do with the potential of God using those things to cause a windfall to come into Island Church. And I was thinking about them. They're fun to think about. I mean, I, you know, thinking about having several million dollars in your pocket, thinking about paying all the bills off, thinking about that red iron going up over there by the justice, thinking about all that stuff. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to quit thinking about that. And I said, why? He said, because you're creating a fantasy, and when it doesn't happen the way your fantasy uh, plays it out, then you'll get disappointed, and it'll set you back. I said, well, what, what do I do, Lord? He said, keep your eyes on the source, not any resource that I might use. Amen. Well, that set me free immediately. See, I'd been continuing in the Word, and the Lord knew that I was getting into some areas that's going to mess me up if I didn't watch out. So I quit thinking about all those things. I had them lined up and listed six different ways in which God could bless the church, and all this money could come in, and this could happen, that could happen. And the Lord said, quit thinking about that. Quit thinking about that. Get your eyes on the source. Get your eyes off of the resource. Quit fantasizing about what you might do if. And start believing you receive. So I got all my effort out of fantasizing about what I might do if, and I got my effort back on believing I receive. Amen. Amen. 
See, that's how God will do. He'll just, he'll just bring you right along, step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, so that you can enter in to those different stages of babyhood, childhood, and adulthood. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks that'll show you and help you identify where you are so you can continue to grow up in the things of God. And I think as long as we live on this planet, we still grow. We still grow. I like what one preacher said. He said, you need to grow to the point, to the point in which in your latter years of life, when you close your eyes on this side and open your eyes on the other side, it ain't going to be that big of a change. It's just going to be a location change. It's not going to be a thinking change. Well, you say, I don't know if I can get there. Well, it's fun to try anyway. I'd rather aim high and miss a little than shoot low and hit the mark. Amen. You get something out of that? How many go get rid of your religious mindset? Amen. Religion is terrible. Religion is man reaching up to God and always coming up short. But Jesus is God reaching down to man and he never came up short. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet tonight. Father, we bless your name. Thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you that you did not leave us religion. You left us grace. You left us mercy. You left us compassion. And we recognize and realize it's not by works of righteousness which you have done. It's according to your mercy you've saved us. Thank you for your mercy as we leave tonight. As we stand upon your word, Lord God, so that we might walk in faith. Thank you for protection and safety. We declare over all the church, no evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, as we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, or railways, we claim our protection and safety. The righteous labor of our hands handling the resources that you've given, whether it be in the ocean, up in the oil patch, in education, in law, contractors, any type of work that we may do. We thank you, Father, that we're kept protected, not subject to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself, but we abide under the shadow of the Most High God. Thank you, Lord, as we leave tonight. Each and every one of us are ministers of reconciliation. We leave this place with the Word of God fresh in our hearts and our minds, thanking you that each and every one of us will be an answer to prayer, problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.